Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. grateful in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your mighty, mighty love and great, great love that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, for our salvation. We pray, Lord, that you give us tonight even deeper understanding of the love that you have shown us, deeper understanding of this great salvation that you have given us. We are grateful to you, Lord. We thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Clap your hands together and you may be seated. Well, we have a few minutes to share the word of God. And tonight we want to continue reading our book. We want to continue sharing on the message, how you can preach salvation. How you can preach salvation. It's a wonderful book, very great book, and we began reading it last Sunday. How many of you were blessed last Sunday? Whenever you come to church, have a preparation to be blessed. You see, uh, some powerful miracles are coming from last Sunday's service, and I believe that um, yours is also on the way. I, um, I said that um, God is going to give us a lot of testimonies from that. And I, I, I can see that God has began rotten, wonderful miracles in the lives of his children. So look forward to it. Some of you are going to receive certain mails and certain phone calls. And God is going to surprise you. You are going to be surprised by God. Some of you, certain things that you have given up on and you have even forgotten about it is going to be resurrected again. It's going to come back alive and well. Especially for you. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. So last week, we, uh, last Sunday, we um, began talking about pure the pure message of salvation. We were talking about the pure message of salvation and we um, read a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1 um, which is the opening scripture for this particular um, message um, the, how you can preach salvation. It's a wonderful book. One of the powerful books that I think every Christian should own and every Christian should read. And like I told you, it's a very big book. And we have only 10 weeks, 10 weeks to share from this book. That is Sunday and Tuesday. That is why all of you should endeavor to be here both Sunday and Tuesday on our weekday service as well, because that is the message that we are sharing. And I want to also encourage you to read it yourself. We are all reading it together in church, but I want you to read it. And I believe by now you all have your copies. I mean, if you are a weekday service attendee, you cannot not have a copy. You know, you are such a serious Christian, and you must have a copy of the book. Um... If you are having any trouble getting a copy, see Sister Claire. I think we receive our consignment. I think we were with the impression that we were short. I think we didn't receive all because we had requested for some few extras. But I think everyone who ordered a copy should have a copy. Is that correct? Yes, wonderful. And if you are here, you have ordered a copy and if not received it, lift up your hands and we make sure... Okay, why don't, there's one person, two people, they've ordered books and they have not received it. So if Sister Claire is here, just um, 
make sure they have their books. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. So um, I want us to just read this scripture once again. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. And um, it says, Receiving as the result of, or as receiving as the result, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, or the outcome, or the consummation of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Receiving as the result, or the consummation, or the outcome of your faith. The end result, the end product of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Regarding this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace of God that was intended for you and for me. The Bible says, search carefully and inquire about this future way of salvation. Seeking to find out what person or what time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he foretold the sufferings of Christ and glories destined to follow. You see, so the scripture is saying that the prophets of old, they were searching diligently to understand salvation because it was being revealed to them and they did not understand. They could not figure out who was to come, when the person was to come, how the salvation was to come back how God was going to show us this great salvation. And they searched this diligently. They searched and searched and searched. And you realize that this is all that the scriptures were about. About salvation. This was all that the scriptures were about. Searching and searching and searching. They were looking for the answers that we have today. The end of our faith. The the result of our faith. The, the consummation of our faith, which is salvation of our souls. This is what they were searching for. This is what they were looking for. And if you remember the story about the, the, two, the walk to Emmaus, if you remember that story, when Jesus was with the disciples, these two disciples, when he was um, talking to them, the Bible says that he began from the prophets and he went through the whole scriptures talking about all the things the prophets were saying, and they were all pointing to him about this great salvation. You see, so it means everything that the scriptures were talking about, everything that the prophets were talking about, it was pointing to our salvation. And so if salvation is so great, if the, the Bible we have is all talking about this great salvation, then it must form the major of our teaching. It must form the main basis for everything that we are doing in Christ. Isn't that so? But we have realized that um, with time, we are replacing this great and mighty salvation with all other things. Hallelujah. We are replacing the great salvation with different things. We are replacing the great salvation, changing the message about salvation to a message of prosperity. This is what has been our focus. Amen. This is what has been our main subject. This is what has been our main topics. And this is, what, this is what has been our main interest. This is what entices us. So if this is what the people want, it also has made pastors preaching about prosperity and have neglected salvation. So you realize if you are a pastor and your messages are all about salvation, it is not attractive to the people. Isn't that so? It is not attractive to the people. The people will not receive if we are professing and we are prophesying, receive the power to win souls, receive the gift to win souls, receive the anointing for soul winning, you see, receive the power to become a witness. You see, it's not, um, we don't jump to receive it. We don't jump to receive it as to prophesy that your wedding is coming. Your wedding is coming. Your husband is walking into the church. You see, I see you receiving promotion at your job. 
You see? I see a new job coming your way. A new job coming your way. You see, we receive this kind of blessings with faith. With, with, we jump to receive it. Amen. And we say that it is not difficult for God to give us these things. It's never the intention of God that you be poor. It's never God's intention. Amen. God wants you to be prosperous. And your soul also to prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. But we realize that it is the priority of God that you first find his kingdom. You see, all the other things, they come after you have found the kingdom of God. After you have received salvation. So it is important that you understand salvation. It is important that you can also share about salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. And we should not let people come to Christ with the aim that they are going to be prosperous. That is not the reason they should come. We should not entice people. We should not attract people to Christ because he's going to give them money or he's going to give them houses or he's going to give them, you are going to get a husband. I was sharing with you that someone came to the church and after a while I wanted to leave because she couldn't find a suitable husband in the place. Oh, yes. She's wasting her time here. Wasting her time. But God will give you a husband. And he will give you a wife. But seek the, found, seek the salvation message first. The kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So we should stop. The book is saying we should stop over magnifying the fact of God's prosperity. Page 4. And stop taking the message of prosperity out of context. We should stop misleading the church and giving the wrong impression about Christianity. We are giving the wrong impression about Christianity. We are giving the wrong impression to people who do not know Christ that come to Christ and you will have this. Come to Christ and you will receive this. Come to Christ. Yes, you will receive those things, but that is not the reason why Christ came. That is not the reason why Jesus came. Amen. We should stop peddling the false gospel of riches. Stop selling the false gospel of riches. That is not the main gospel. Hallelujah. That is not the message. So you are misleading the whole church into the way of error when you are emphasized, when you are overemphasizing riches and prosperity and take it out of proportion. The church is being misled. And all over the place, Christians are being misled. Christians are being misled. It's a shame that someone will give his only begotten son to die for us for such a great cause, and then we have turned it into something else. Do you think if it was that, Christ, that you will have a husband or a wife or you will have a house, Christ would have left his throne and come and die for us? Do you think that would have been the reason for him coming? No. It will be a total waste. It will be a total waste. Something that you cannot take anywhere. Something that you cannot carry with you beyond this life. When you die, do you know that when you die, you can't take money with you? And we know that. We that are here, we know that. We, because we have seen many people die. Do you know that when someone dies and they are putting the person, you know, in state to, you know, to, um, for viewing, you know, they put nice suits on you. Do you know that? They put nice suits, nice clothes. Do you know that they make the suits to look very original and very, but there are no pockets on the suit. Do you know that? The pants have no pockets. There's no pockets in all the things that they put on you. Because there's no need for the packets. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, yeah. Next time you see a dead man, go and check to see his pants. If there's any packet anywhere, go and check. There's no packet. It shows you that the money is not going anywhere. 
It is right here. Amen. Just in case someone's even one dollar per chance comes in, so they don't put any packet on your clothes. Since it's amazing that Apostle Paul warned the church to be careful of this exact error. First Timothy six verse nine to ten. He says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some converted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Hallelujah. Through many sorrows. Money is not evil. The scripture is not telling us that money is evil. It says, the love of money. It says, but they that will be rich. Now this scripture, they that will, will be rich. That means they that wish to be rich. Or they that want to be rich. Do you understand the scripture? It's not that you become rich and then you are falling into some evil. Of course, it can put you into diverse temptation. But the will to be rich, the want to be rich, that you want to be rich. You know, there are some people that want to be rich. There are people that say, I want to be rich. I love money. You know, there are some people who have set on a course to be rich. They have set on a course to search for money and they want to acquire money and be rich. And they are troubled that they are not rich at this stage. They are 35 years old and they are not rich and they are very troubled. They are 40 years old and they are not rich. They are very troubled. There are some women who will to marry a rich man. True or not true? Yeah. There are women who their priority of looking for a husband, the top of it is that you are a well-to-do person. You are a rich man who will buy a big house and she will drive different kinds of cars where whatever she wants. You know, this, and I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about Christians. Christians in the church. Sunday, Tuesday, Christians. All night prayer meeting Christians whose priority in life is to marry a rich person and men who also want to marry a rich woman. Someone who is well to do. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't think so? A man whose aim, you see, she sees a lot of, he sees different options. He sees different women. But he's looking for the one who makes more money. <laughs> so sometimes you don't know. You say, you know, I have this and I have that, but I'm not sure which one. And then their, their decision, finally come to a decision, is this one makes a lot of money. So I will choose this one. There are purpose in their heart. I never intend to marry a poor person. I never intend to be poor in this life. I want to marry a rich person. They look at the person and they say, you don't look like you become rich. They look at even the career that you are on, the path that you are taking, and it doesn't look like this is a rich path. And you are not their priority. You see? And I'm I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about Christians. And he says, but they that will to be rich, they that want to be rich, they that desire to be rich, they fall into Temptation and a snare. They fall into traps. Temptation and a snare. 
and into many foolish and hateful lust. Foolish lust. Hateful lust. You see, when you love money, you will be hurt. Oh, I'm telling you. When you love money, when you want to be rich, that is your aim, to be rich, you will be hurt. You will be hurt. And they drown, it says, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, you see, it's not money itself that is evil, but the love for money. That you have a heart that loves money. You see, when you are a person that, when money comes, you are very happy. You know, you, you, when, when you get, you, when you see money, you get very happy. You see, when you go to the bank, you are going to deposit your small check, and then you see money that they, they you know, they, you see money that someone, some business is coming to deposit their money, and you see money, you know, and then your heart is beating, and it's like, you are happy, it's evil. It's evil. It says, for the love of money is the root, the root of all evil. It is the root of all evil. It is the root of all evil, the love of money. This is another sermon. We cannot move from here. But um, the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after. Some coveted. That means they chase after it. They, they hunger after it. You know, they crave for it. They coveted after. They have erred from the faith. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Because of money, a lot of people... You know, do you know because of money, a lot of people don't go to church? Christians, because of money, they miss church services. They don't come to church because of money. Not for anything. Money. I'm talking about money. I say it's a root of all evil. Root of all evil. And I can assure you that anyone who neglects God's service for money, you will never have it. I I can tell you that with all certainty. You will never have it. You will not have it. You will not have it. You will search, and you see, that is a deception. You will be deceived because you will see a paycheck. Do you understand? You will see a paycheck, and there's something extra. There's something extra, and then you realize that at the end of the year, you, you look at your your tax return. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You look at your tax return and how much you earn and then you look at how much is in the... You wonder what has happened to the money. Have you noticed that? You wonder what has, what has happened to the money. You wonder. Look, it is God who gives thee the power, power to make wealth. To make wealth is not your W-2 form. Wealth is not what you see on your W-2 form. Wealth is what you have. What you have is not that what, you, what, what, what they paid you. Because what they paid you is not equivalent to what you have. Which you have seen already. And that wealth, to own wealth, it is God who gives thee the power to make that. Bishop shared about an evangelist who he organized an open air crusade and invited other evangelists. And he says, one of the on the first day of this crusade, an invited evangelist preached the gospel and won lots of souls to the Lord. And then on the second day, and on the third day, and on the fourth day, the main organizer, the evangelist who organized the crusade, he came. And preach the word. He preached the word. You see, it is a word. Prosperity is also the word. But for three days that this man had, he preached about prosperity. That you have gathered souls, open air crusade, where unbelievers have gathered, he preached prosperity. And many people praise him and say, 
the message was powerful. The message was powerful. We can preach certain messages that it may appear to you or you will feel it's very powerful. But you are not the one that we are preaching to please. The one who should say the message is powerful is God. Hallelujah. He's the one who should say. So you are clapping and you are saying that, Reverend, I was blessed and it was powerful. And it does not make me happy. What should make me happy is if God says, that is the word I wanted you to preach. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? That is what should make pastors happy. That is what should make you also happy. That God is pleased with what we are preaching. Amen. So this particular evangelist, he was not able to break away from those messages of financial prosperity even at an open air soul winning crusade. Hallelujah. So it's sometimes difficult even for pastors to preach about salvation. It is difficult for many pastors to preach about salvation. It is as if there's not much to say about salvation. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? it's, It's as if the scripture is limited when it comes to salvation. It says, some years ago, there was this man, this evangelist, D.L. Moody, who learned how to preach effectively. He was an American evangelist. And he met Henry Morehouse. Henry Morehouse was an English evangelist from the U.K., So he promised to come to America and preach in D.L. Moody's church. He says, when he eventually arrived in February 1868, he preached for seven nights from John 3.16. Seven nights with one scripture, John 3.16. For seven nights in the church. Then he counseled D.L. Moody to teach what the Bible says and not your own words and show people how much God loves them. I think this is one of the most powerful counsel that anyone can give to a pastor. To preach what God says. To He says, tell the people what God says and not your own words. He says, teach what the Bible says and not your own words. And show people how much God loves them. How much God loves them. And he said, this is perhaps the most beautiful, meaningful, and important piece of advice any minister could ever receive. Hallelujah. That means we ought to stay with the scriptures. We ought to stay with the scriptures. And we cannot go wrong. We ought to show the people how much God loves them. Hallelujah. We do not use our own words or we must not use our own words to explain to people or to tell people how much God loves them. Amen. We cannot use our own words because you cannot even phantom the love of God. You cannot even understand the depth of the love of God. You personally don't even know. You say the Bible says the prophets of old, they searched, they searched. They could not get it. So, in your own words, you cannot show someone how God loves them. But if you say exactly what God says, just tell them exactly what God says. He says, for God so loved the world. You know, just as simple as that. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, it may not sound so mighty to you because it is not for your understanding. Because you cannot in in million years understand the love of God. You cannot. Do you understand how God will love you so much that he will give his only begotten son? Who are you? Who are you? So if you look at yourself, you cannot understand it. So if you try to explain to someone how God loves him by explaining in your own ways the love of God, you can So just tell the person... For God so loved us. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And all we need to do to receive this is we will believe in him. And we will receive everlasting life. Simple. And it may not sound anything to you, but it is the word of God. I say it is the word of God. Hallelujah. That is how God said it. 
That is how God showed his love. Amen. Since all sorts of bondage and captivity have crept into the church because people are deprived of the knowledge of salvation. People are deprived of the knowledge of salvation. Many people sit in churches, they do not know salvation. Many people go to church and they have been Christians for many years. And if you ask them about salvation, they don't know what it is. They don't know. They will tell you that I'm baptized. I am baptized. Are you saved? I am baptized. I go to church. I believe in, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. When you meet people and you say, I, I want to talk to you about Jesus. I know Jesus. I know everything. What do you know? I know everything about Jesus. And I say, are you saved? What do you mean? What do you mean I'm saved? <laughs> what do you mean I'm saved? They don't understand what is, what is saved. They don't know what is salvation. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? And so Christians are sitting in churches. Christians are in church. Dressed to go to church every Sunday, Tuesday. They go for prayer meetings. And they don't know what is salvation. Isaiah 5 verse 13, it says, Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. We don't have knowledge. So they have gone into captivity. Hallelujah. So preaching about salvation is not as simple as it sounds. You see, it's not as simple as it sounds. We live in a time where even pastors are finding it difficult to preach about salvation. It's not that simple to preach about salvation. It is great salvation. And it's not that simple to preach about it. Indeed, many of us do not even know how to preach about the great salvation. The knowledge of this beautiful salvation and the different ways to present it is very limited today. Anyone who embarks on the journey of being an evangelist will discover for himself that the pure salvation which we rarely preach about is a deep well of revelation. Deep well. Deep well of revelation. Deep well of revelation. You cannot phantom it. You cannot understand it. That someone who was condemned, someone who was totally condemned, just a moment and your life is turned around and now you are not condemned anymore such that if you were to die, if you were to die now, you are not going to hell. Someone who is a thief, a thief that is crucified to be left to die because of stealing. Because of stealing. That you have been condemned to die. From this particular sin of stealing. And that you have been crucified. They have have nailed you on the cross. Just for a moment. Just a moment. And that the whole thing is turned around. Is wiped. What judges have gathered to find you guilty of. All the evidence. Everything that you have done. All the many people that you have robbed. That came to court to testify of the things that you have done. All the evidence. Everything is wiped. Just a moment. How can you understand such a thing? Except that God reveals it to you. Except that God reveals it to you. That you say, this day will you be with me in paradise. How? And you yourself, you can't even understand. You cannot even understand it. And you will think it's a joke. That is why you cannot explain the love of God in your own words. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. He said, a pastor must do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4, 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Hallelujah. A pastor must do the work of an evangelist because the scripture says so. To be a good pastor, you must somehow get into the work of evangelism. A pastor must win souls. A pastor must lead his congregation to win souls. A pastor must teach about soul winning. A pastor must teach about soul winning. A pastor must lead his congregation to win souls. I have, I have let you down if I don't talk to you about soul winning. I have disappointed you as a pastor if we don't preach about soul winning. If you are in this church and you have never heard a message about soul winning 
and that to point out to you that you are a witness. You have received the gospel, you have received the power of the Holy Spirit to become a witness. Then I have let you down as a pastor. A pastor must teach salvation at crusades. By the grace of God, we will teach salvation at crusades. A pastor must teach salvation at breakfast meetings, concerts, and other church outreaches. We must. Says a pastor must do the work of an evangelist. Otherwise, he will never make full proof of your ministry. Did you see that? He says, but watch thou in all things, enduring endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Make full proof of thy ministry. That means that without evangelizing, without soul winning, you have not made full proof of your ministry. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yes. It says you must be an evangelist because that is the only way to be a good shepherd. And we must not leave so winning to some few zealots that are in the church that are the only ones that like so winning. So winning is for every Christian. Amen. It's for every Christian. Luke chapter 15 and verse 4. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one, we are reading verse 4 still. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. The next verse, he says, and when he had found it, he laid it on his shoulders, rejoicing. We are talking about a good shepherd. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. You see, we are talking about a good shepherd. A good shepherd is the one who leaves the ninety and nine that do not need repentance and goes after that which is lost. Amen. He says, I say unto you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You see, that's a great revelation right there. That means that a pastor's ministry, it is even celebrated in heaven when he leaves the ninety and nine to go and find one lost soul. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So you see, the enemy knows this also. The enemy knows this, and the enemy does not want the pastor also to make full proof of his ministry. And so you realize that the 99 that need not repentance, they have a lot of issues to occupy the pastor such that you cannot even go to find the one lost soul. Amen. That is why as a pastor, you also have to Say, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. There are certain things that you have to say, no, 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 no. This one, don't come and trouble me with that. Don't come and trouble with me with that. You are, you are involved in a certain relationship, the pastor doesn't know, and then when it is going sour, then you come and bother the pastor. Some of you, you start things, you start a business. You start a business and you don't tell the pastor. And then when the money is locked or somebody, and then you come and say, hey, Pastor, pray with me that this person will release my money. What money? I say, go and deal with that thing. You see, some of you get involved in all kinds of things. You don't tell the pastor. And then when it gets bad, then you come and call the pastor. Crying. Some of you, when you are trying certain things, you are doing certain things, you will not tell the pastor. You go and go and go and then you fail. You go and you fail. And then you go and you fail. And then, and then you realize that now I think I need a pastor. Sometimes you look at the people and say, how many times have you tried this thing? Go and try again. <laughs> but product, proper protocol will not allow us to say certain things like that. You, you occupy the pastor. Occupy the pastor. 
But the pastor's ministry is celebrated when he's able, besides the 90 and 9 that need no repentance, he's able to find one more lost soul. One more lost soul. Are you understanding the word of God this evening? It says Luke 15 talks about a good woman. A good woman, it talks about, it teaches about a good shepherd, the good woman and the good father. And it says the good woman looked for the lost coin that made her a good woman. And the good father looked out of the window for his lost son. And that made him a good father. And the good shepherd searched for the lost sheep. And that made him a good shepherd. Hallelujah. Amen. A good shepherd. That makes him a good shepherd. That leaves the 99 to find the one that is lost. Amen. So we need to develop the ability to explain salvation. We need to develop the ability to simplify salvation. To explain salvation to someone who needs to hear it. Amen. To explain salvation to someone who, who, is, who, who, who needs to understand it. But we ourselves do not understand it. So we cannot share it. We ourselves do not understand salvation. So we cannot share with the ones who also need to hear it. Because you are sitting in a church. You say you are saved. But you don't know. You don't understand. You have no understanding of what it means to be saved. You have no understanding of your own salvation. What are you are sa- if somebody asks you, why do you say you are saved? You can't even explain. But why? I am born again. But I'm born again. That's all you can say. Some of you, you are, but you can't even lead someone to Christ. You can't lead someone to Christ. It is time for Christians and preachers to develop the ability to expound on the profound statements of Jesus Christ. Some of these profound statements Jesus made are, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way. John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father. Except by, that is a profound statement. That is a profound statement that the Christian should be able to share with someone and expound on it. And it says, Jesus said, you, say, and you can say, I am this, I am this religion, I am this, I believe in this, I believe in this. You say, no one, no one. You know, a lot of people, they say, oh, but there's no only one God. You know, there's no only one way that you can go to heaven. You know, what about these people? What about, okay, what about these people? What about these people? Okay, I also believe in this. What about us? What about, Jesus says, I am the way. You know, he's boldly says, I am the way. I am the truth. That means that the way to the Father, I am it. I am the truth. There's no other truth. Whatever you are hearing, is not the truth. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? He says, if you, you are hearing the truth and it's not Jesus, it is not the truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. You are looking for life. You are looking for eternity. You want to live in eternity. I am it. Jesus says, and he says, no man, no man, not a Buddhist, not a Muslim. You say, oh, but um, what about... Um, what about the uh, Islams? What about Buddhists? What about this? No man, no Buddhist, no Muslim, no Islam, no nothing can enter into the kingdom of God except by Jesus. Except by Jesus. And this is a bold statement. This is a bold statement. Do you understand? This is a bold statement. And then you say, oh, but that's your religion. I'm not talking about my religion. I am talking about the way. I'm talking about the truth. I'm talking about the life. You see, and a Christian should be able to expound on this. Boldly and confidently. That my sister, there is no other way. My brother, there is no other way. I am telling you that there is no other way. If you don't find this way, you are going to hell. You will die and go to hell. Plain and simple. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that is the message. And that is what you are called to share. That is what you are called to share. You are not called to convince. And you know, you see, 
you know, Muhammad also came. You know, do you realize that Muhammad, you know, there are names even that sound like Abraham, Muhammad, and this. But Jesus, you know, his name is sort of a little different. You don't need to explain it. You say, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. You want the truth? I'm telling you the truth. What do you want me to tell you? That Muslims will go to heaven? They will not go to heaven. I can't tell you that any other thing. It's, you see, we are not, we are, we, that is, that is, and that is what I'm talking about. We don't know our own salvation. And so we can share it. We don't know it. Because there are even Christians that say, eh, but they're Muslims too. And, um, they're Christians. Oh, yes. They're Christians that say that. They're Christians that say that. They're pastors that are not willing to say boldly that there's no other way. And so, let us reason together. You know, let us, um, let us. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? And it's because we don't have in-depth knowledge of our own salvation. God did not give out three sons. He gave one only begotten son. One begotten son. His only begotten son. Only begotten son. So why are you talking about another son and another? Is, oh, Jesus was also a prophet. So that is why when you see someone who is a staunch Muslim, you are afraid to share the word of God because, you know, you are afraid that he's going to share some, he's going to bring some things and you don't need anything. You don't need to be armed with anything. What you need is one scripture for the Muslim and say, look, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. You don't have him, you don't have anything. Just tell him that. And then he wants to argue with you and be, you say the same thing again. Oh, he was also a prophet. You say, you, cannot, you, can, you can say that he was a prophet. He was this, he was this. But he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And if you want to see, come to the Father, you have to come by him. Otherwise, no man, no one, no one. And you have delivered yourself. Otherwise, if you are not able to tell that person this, and the person dies in his sin, his blood will be on your hand. His blood will be on your hand because you were not bold to point to it is not your responsibility now for him to accept it. Do you understand? At the end, he's still saying they are both prophets. And then you ask him, do you want to give your life to Christ? Do you want to give? You see, sometimes you see the Muslim women that um, they are even afraid for the track. They are afraid to get the, touch the track. But you, we have a responsibility to share the message. We have a responsibility, a calling to share the message. See, see, there is no salvation in any other name except the name of Jesus. For there is none other, none other under heaven. There is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we will be saved. There is no other name given amongst men. There is no other name. We are not given any other name. Tell the person. Boldly, such statement, we must be able to expound on it and share with the people. He said, there is no other. There is no other. So no other means no other. So this other that you are bringing in is not the truth. It's not the truth. There is no other. You see, you have to be confident in your own salvation. You have to have faith in what you have believed first. Otherwise, you can't share it. And then they are, but do you know that in your own Bible, there is, you, you see, you cannot know everything. Do you know everything in the Bible? Do you know everything that is in the scriptures? You say, I don't need to know anything. Call me ignorant. I don't need to know. But one thing that I know is that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I don't need to know all that. I don't need to know all of this. I don't need to know all of this. Amen. So what about all the good people? Who is a good person? Who is a, who, so what about all the good people? Where would they go? Who is a good person? The Bible says, for all have sinned. Are you part of all? Are you on this earth? Do you live here? Then all have sinned. You have sinned. 
Why? What have I done? You have sinned because you are born in sin. You are conceived in sin. And you are still sinning. It, as a person, that woman that just passed, didn't you tend to look and last in your heart? He said, but I didn't touch him. Jesus said, if you look, only if you look and you decide in your heart, you have sinned. <laughs> he said, but I didn't touch her. Amen. Share, share the message. Share the message. Share the message. Amen. It says, I am, the, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never test. I am the bread of life. Amen. You have to, you have to share the word with people. Share the word with people. Look, just find four scriptures. I will give you those scriptures when the time comes. Just find four scriptures. You can share, you can do four scriptures. Share with the people. It is time for pastors to teach, illustrate, and explain the gospel. The few stories in this book are intended to help the preacher. So we are going to find a lot of stories in this book to help us preach the gospel. Amen. Some pastors are powerful preaching Powerful preaching ministers who cannot deliver a crystal clear message of salvation. Other ministers can preach about the ABCs of the gospel but cannot link it to the power of God. It is time to blend the power of God with the clear knowledge of the gospel of Christ as it is laid out in the Bible. We must be able to. We must be able to preach the gospel, of me- the gospel message with the power of God. We cannot be power preaching ministers, and then separately, um, salvation preaching ministers. As if there's no power in salvation. There is no miracle besides salvation. There's no powerful miracle outside of salvation. There's no powerful miracle. That is the greatest miracle that Christ gave us. The miracle of salvation. That is the greatest miracle. What other miracle do you want? No, seriously, what other miracle is more powerful? What other miracle, I mean, that you, you have um, heart disease and then I pray for you and it's gone? Or that you have blood pressure and I pray for you and it's gone? Or you were blind and I pray for you and you are, you are seeing? Is that compared to that you have sinned? I mean, what can wipe away your sins? You have sinned. What can wipe away your sins? What can make you a sinner now become someone who has never sinned. What can, what can make you like that? What, what miracle is that? I mean, think about it. That your bone is broken and I pray for you and it's healed. A doctor can do that. A doctor can operate on your heart and fix it. They can give you a brand new heart. Do you know that? Oh, yes. So are doctors doing miracles? Your kidney is not working and then somebody prays for you and it's well. A doctor can give you a kidney. They can give you a whole liver if you want. That you are standing there and somebody pray for you and then your tummy was like this and then suddenly it, uh, doctors can do that. Doctors can do that overnight. You see, so if I pray for you and your tummy just went in like that, you say, wow, wow, the church will be full. How many of you believe that the church will be full? You go home and bring your mothers and your grandmothers, your aunties. You invite them all to church. Come to church. This evening, you receive a tummy tap. Instantly. This pastor, he touches you and your belly. How many of you, how many of you, honestly, you are going to invite a lot of people in the church? But when the powerful miracle of salvation, when I'm preaching about the powerful miracle of salvation, that which can transform you, that which can make a sinner like you and I be free of sins, and we say we are going to heaven. That miracle, that powerful miracle, doesn't sound powerful to you. You don't invite people to hear and say, come, come to church, a sinner like you. After the pastor has preached, he will call you and a small prayer, it will transform your life from a sinner to someone that is on his way to heaven. Such miracle, you will not invite people to hear it. 
You will not invite people to come and receive it. But miracle for Tommy Tabby. And I pray and then you get large breasts. Like if I pray, you are, you are flat-chested woman and then I pray and then you get, or your hair is all gone. And then you are standing here and as I pray, your hair just begins to, wow. Say, what power is this? One touch. <laughs> I, I say, hey, receive. And then you see your hair. As you are standing here, as you are standing here. And then hair is just going like this. You will fall down. I say you will fall down. All of you will collapse on the floor. But when one lost soul stands here to give his life to Christ, that we don't value. But that, you see, I can pray for you for your hair to come. The heavens will not rejoice. The angels will not rejoice. I can pray for you and then your breast will become size from size. What is the smallest size that we have? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then suddenly, instantly, so when the person is finished with the prayers and the person turns around. <laughs> all of you, your mouth will go like, Wow. But when one lost soul, one lost soul, one lost soul stands here to lift his hand to give his life to Christ, it's as if no miracle has happened. No miracle has happened. But there's no powerful miracle than salvation. There's no powerful miracle than salvation. Such transformation. There's no other miracle like that. Our time is up. We want to pause here. And then we will continue next time we meet. Put your hands together and stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us. Help us. Help us. We are thankful and grateful how much love you have shown us. What great love you have shown us. Lord, we ask that you give us the boldness. Give us the boldness to share the same love that you have shown us. The same love that you have commanded on us. Give us the boldness, oh God. Give us the boldness to testify of this great love. To share this great love. To preach this great love. We ask, oh God, that you give us the ability to take your word the love of God, the great salvation to the ends of the world. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for choosing us, selecting us amongst others, causing us to approach, to come this close, to share this great love with us. We are grateful and we are thankful in the name of Jesus. Give us the burden for soul winning. Burden our hearts with soul winning. Cause us to have a hunger for soul winning. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, with all eyes closed and every head bowed, you are here this evening. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. If that is your prayer, with all eyes closed and every head bowed, just lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to welcome Jesus into your life. You want to receive this great salvation. You are, see, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want this great salvation. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. Perhaps you come here and you leave. You come Sunday, Tuesdays. Perhaps you do not have this great salvation. But tonight is your night. You are saying, Pastor, I want to receive this great salvation. I have had understanding. I have received understanding of this great love of God. And I want to receive this salvation. If that is your prayer, lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Is that you? Lift up your hand. With all eyes closed, every head bowed. Anyone here like that? Father, we are thankful and grateful for this great love, for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus and you may be seated.
We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.